Welcome to Northern Latitudes. I'm Bill Alt. Dr. Melissa Sunderman is a plant-based physician, double certified in both internal and lifestyle medicine, and has been practicing for over 20 years. We talked nature as medicine, seven pillars of health, and even the gut biome. This was an interesting conversation. My name is Melissa Sunderman, and I'm super excited to be here, Bill. I think we connected on social media on LinkedIn because we both love nature. So I like to refer to myself as a doctor outdoors. Someone coined that uh, to me when I was speaking, uh, giving a presentation at a medical conference, and they said, we'll just call you doctor outdoors. And I said, that fits me perfectly. So I'm passionate about what I do. I've always loved being outdoors, and now... We're finding more and more reasons to be outdoors, particularly uh, in relation to overall health and well-being. Yeah, that's been a fairly recent development in the medical field, right? It's been all of a sudden we're paying attention to what the outdoors can do for us. Right. And, And as you know, being in this field and loving the outdoors is we've always known being outdoors is, is helpful, right? And sometimes it's the simplest things that medicine lags behind. We think that we have to have these fancy procedures and these big, fancy, expensive pills. And really some of our best prescriptions are the simplest one. And Hippocrates, one of his, he has many quotes that I love, but one of them is a quote that says, the physician treats, but nature heals. So Hippocrates, way back when, already knew that. And so how we've gotten away from that and now how I feel we're coming back to that. And I'm very, a very strong voice and a very uh, strong passion to get more and more physicians and healthcare professionals to be prescribing nature. And part of the prescribing is a good word here because we have all kinds of medicines, Mm -hmm. but at the same time as we have doctors telling us, Hey, eat better, get outside, get some exercise but we still revert to, in a large, to a large degree, people do anyways, they revert to medicinal solutions. Is that just, is it laziness? Is it ease of access? Is it, what is it? I think mostly based on our training. So I went to medical school back in the 90s, so a long time ago. I've been practicing medicine for about 25 years. And back in medical school, you know, I had wonderful training. I went to Michigan State University and I had wonderful, wonderful training, amazing professors. But we really didn't have an emphasis on nutrition. We didn't really have an emphasis on physical activity. Definitely didn't talk about nature. So we were very much taught in a disease model. Like this is a disease. This is how you treat it. And there's definitely a, there's space and a need for that, right? When I was working in a hospital and I had acutely ill patients, I wasn't going to say, okay, I'm just going to wheel this patient outdoors and they're going to get better. No, we had to have, you know, really good medications and we had surgeons and we had procedures and diagnostic tests. But really when we're looking at true preventative care, we know that 80 to 90% of chronic diseases are lifestyle driven, right? That's huge. So that's where I became board certified in lifestyle medicine in 2019. And I'm board certified through the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, which is a growing field. We now have, I think about 3,300 physicians across the world are board certified in lifestyle medicine. We are a small but mighty group, we are growing. And really it just takes it down to, we can start downstream. 
when we talk about things like mammograms and colonoscopy, which are needed, which I advocate for my patients, that's really about early detection. Lifestyle medicine looks to get to the root cause of disease. And we identify six pillars, official pillars of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine that really can um, contribute to lifestyle-driven diseases, chronic diseases such as blood pressure, cholesterol, heart disease, strokes, type 2 diabetes, obesity, dementia. And those six pillars of lifestyle medicine, the six official pillars are food is medicine. Uh, just like Hippocrates said, again, um, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And so we encourage a very plant strong dietary pattern full of you know fiber rich and antioxidants, fruits and vegetables and beans and whole grains, nuts and seeds. Uh, we promote pillar number two, which is movement, getting movement every day. And movement doesn't mean going to the gym every day. Some people enjoy that, but some people like to go bird watching or gardening or riding their bike or hiking in the mountains. So many different types of movement. Um, third is the importance of sleep and that we need restoration during our sleep. And I think we're now realizing more and more that sleep is our superpower. Um, fourth pillar is avoidance of risky behaviors such as uh, tobacco, excessive alcohol, drug use. Fifth is pillar is managing our stress and we all have stress in our life and it's how we learn to manage that, whether it's through mindfulness or breath work or meditation, counseling. Uh, and the sixth pillar is social connection and that we are all social creatures and we, we need our sense of being of our tribe or connection, whether that's family or friends or colleagues or hiking buddies or pets, uh, just our place of belonging. So I tell my patients, I say, but Dr. Sunderman has a seventh unofficial pillar of lifestyle medicine, and that's daily exposure to nature and fresh air. So my goal is to get the American College of Lifestyle Medicine to make that an official pillar because I really feel that nature and fresh air is one of the most important components of well-being. And I um, come from Michigan. I'm now living in Massachusetts. We have this season called winter that tends to last a really long time. And I feel like every season is ideal, right? So it's just how you, you view it. So one of my favorite quotes that I tell my patients and my friends is that there's no bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. So as long as you got a good coat and some good hats and gloves, I even have spikes from my shoes when it's icy out, you get outdoors because the benefits of nature um, are abundant. Do we have some sort of idea what we need on a yeah. weekly weekly basis? Right. So the great thing about people paying attention to nature now is people are doing research on it. I think a lot of times in science and medicine, they're like, well, does that really work? Let's put it to the test. So we're getting some good data outcomes. And what I've seen through the research is it's pretty much aligned. And the nature dose is trying to get at least 20 minutes of nature fresh air on a daily basis and or 120 minutes per week, okay? So 20 minutes per day or two hours per week. There's some people that during the week between jobs and family life, maybe they just can't get outdoors, right? So if you wanna you know, take a Friday, Saturday, Sunday and sort of you know do six an hour, Saturday an hour on Sunday and get that 120 minutes per week, that's also effective. So in getting those 20 minutes, we see those uh, positive effects of decreasing our cortisol levels, our stress hormone, decreasing our heart rate, decreasing our blood pressure. And from the very early studies on Shironyoku and forest bathing with Dr. King Lee, we saw increase in natural killer cell activity, which is integral to our immune system. So whether that's helping to prevent you from getting a cold to 
helping to boost your immune system so that you don't, you know, have cancer down the road. Not that just being outdoors in nature is not going to prevent you from, you know, ever getting a cancer, right. but just boosting our immunity any way that we can is really important with COVID, right? The more we can get outdoors, perhaps we can avoid um, getting COVID. So the consistent um, literature that I'm seeing is that 20 minutes per day, 120 minutes per week. And does it matter, like, what qualifies as being outdoors? A walk in the park, uh, you know, et cetera? Yeah. So good question. And I think we want to make this accessible for everyone. I happen to live in the Berkshire Mountains. And so I've got, like, mountains and woods really close to me. But some people live in New York City. So what we know is that the benefits, um, just being outdoors around green space and blue space, we don't want to leave out blue spaces like lakes and rivers and streams and oceans. Um, but when we're around anything green, trees, shrubs, um, you know, anything, those uh, green living organisms will emit something called phytoncides. And phytoncides are these volatile organic compounds that actually work to protect the plant itself. And so it has antiviral and antibacterial properties. So when we're around anything green, we inhale those phytoncides. So you can do this by simply if you, you know, live in Central Park and you, or if you live in New York City and go to Central Park and just being around those trees, it's wonderful. If you live in a neighborhood that has a little park, if you have a courtyard. So really finding any pocket that you can get if you've got access to a large park and mountains and national parks, go for it. But it doesn't have to be like that. And even if you have a small balcony, you know, on your apartment and you can get some green plants, that's going to be a benefit, too. It was just an article published in England, correct, about the fighting sides? Right. You know, because there are, have been some studies and the question is, can we just view nature? Could we just like watch a like, uh, you know, oh, yeah. streaming video or do we actually have to be in nature? And so for the fighting sides, certainly, you know, being in nature and inhaling those phytoncides. But there was one study that looked at um, uh, like people were viewing nature versus being out in nature. And for some um, individuals who maybe really struggle with really high anxiety and just leaving their house or apartment would be really um, intimidating or scary. For those people, probably just viewing nature would actually be better than leaving their apartment and being out in nature. But I think for the majority of us, when we're just looking for well-being, feeling good is, you know, to get outside um, and be in nature itself. Now, you've been a doctor for, as you said, quite a, a while now. <laughs> <laughs> Did nature play a part as you were growing up and deciding what you wanted to do? I, I, I think I heard in another podcast with you that you pretty well knew you always wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And was nature a part of that? Was nature part of growing up? Or is it something that you know, as you became a doctor and you started to look into things, it became more and more important. Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for asking that. So I grew up, I mean, not that I, I didn't grow up like hiking with my parents and going camping. You know, I think my mom's listening to this. I think her idea of camping was probably going to the Holiday Inn. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was a ballet dancer. So I, I, you know, was definitely not outdoors. Well, maybe I was outdoors dancing, but I was a lot of times in the studio dancing. But when I went to college, I sort of dabbled in mountain biking and trail running and did some camping. And I just felt like, wow, this is just, I feel so good when I'm out here. And so I just sort of thought, picking up activities that just felt grounding to me, that I could, I love to move my body. I, I, I'm very adventuresome. Um, pretty much if you ask me to do it, I'll be like, mm, 
sure, I'll give it a try. Um, so I just started gravitating towards that and met my husband and we shared that same love for adventure and being outdoors. I don't think that it necessarily drove me to go into medicine. Um, I think that, that, you know, I wanted to go into medicine. I wanted to become a doctor. Then I found what nature did for me and I just felt so good. And it was, you know, just part of um, what I needed every day. You know, it was just like some people say, okay, I have to have my coffee every day. I'm like, I need my fresh air every day. And throughout the course of practicing, you know, for 25 years, I just kept building upon that. And then I decided, you know, to be truly authentic to, to who I am and what seems to work for me as far as wellness. I'm in my 50s. I feel great. Um, it's not that I, you know, my body doesn't quite feel like when it's in its 20s, but I'm still able to pursue the activities I want to do. Um, I started, you know, sort of checking into the research and then finding other people who really were passionate about this. And I feel like I've hit the sweet spot in being true to myself and being authentic and saying like nature's important. And then I'm finding like other people are saying the same thing. So it's really been a great combination um, for me to align both personally and professionally, lifestyle medicine and nature's medicine. So I feel really grateful that I discovered it. And now I want my patients to know about this too. And you are definitely a mover because you've done triathlons and what else have I seen here? Marathons. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, cause you're still doing that, correct? Yes. Like you're still, and so does nature or being in nature provide you or help assist in your recovery? I guess, I guess that's the better question because after you do something like that, yeah. which is not, you know, 90% of the population never does. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pretty, stressful body mm-hmm. experience. Do you use nature in your recovery or is just nature such a part of your life now that it's just, you know? Yeah. And I think when you look at recovery, particularly as we age, you know, there's a lot of components to that, right? Food for recovery, food is medicine. So a lot of antioxidants. I um, am myself very plant forward, um, a lot of fiber rich to optimize my gut microbiome. We know that 70% of our immune system resides in our gut microbiome, 90% of our serotonin receptors. So that's really integral to my overall well-being is that I nurture my gut microbiome, certainly sleep. Um, I think for years when I was in residency and getting like no sleep and doing 36 hour shifts, I was like, oh, I did residency. I really don't need sleep. And um, I've come to learn that that's completely wrong and that sleep is so integral. What happens while we sleep and the glymphatic system that kicks in to you know, rid our brain of toxins and amyloid proteins and things like that. So I think that I'm really <laughs> very focused and um, de- um, diligent about my sleep hygiene. I aim to get seven hours of sleep every night. So I always work backwards. If I have to be up at five in the morning, that means like I'm in bed by 10. Even though if there's a really good Netflix I want to watch, I'm like, nope, turn off. Like I have to, you know, really aim to get that seven hours. So I think there's a lot of um, things that to intentional as I get older that for recovery. But certainly what I love to do is after a long run, um, I'm training for an ultra um, run that I'm doing in a couple of weeks in Florida. And, you know, I'll use nature to just go for a nice walk on trails afterwards. You know, the, if the trails are soft. Um, I can just, you know, really um, focus on an active meditation, you know, focus on my breathing, focus on things I'm seeing and hearing and uh, and touching even. So it's really just a good recovery for my mind. Um, If I'm, 
just gone for a long run and, and sort of just need to unwind um, both physically and mentally. I think that nature always can provide that. You mentioned the microbiome. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. And that's really come to the forefront in the last little while as well. Absolutely. Um, talk a little bit more about microbiome. Okay. Yeah. So when I, when I uh, talk about this, I said, well, the gut microbiome is kind of like when someone, you know, hundreds of years ago put something to the chest and they heard something in there and they're like, you know what, this thing beating in the chest, I think it's going to be important. So that's what the gut microbiome is. You know, we discovered the gut microbiome, what, 12, 13 years ago. So I'm like, it's like still an adolescent and whoever, you know, sort of started checking into it is like, this is going to be important. And every single day we're finding out more and more, um, you know, there's the brain that's really important. There's the heart, but the gut microbiome, you know, there's about over 37 trillion organisms that live in our gut microbiome, which is mind blowing because that's more cells than our body. So we actually are like hosts of our gut microbiome. Like that's just our function, right? I Um, heard that. I heard that stat the other day on a podcast, believe it or not. And I went, so like we're more than 50% not. Yeah. Ourselves. Not us. Yeah. 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 And the, you know, the thing about the gut microbiome, we have the power to manipulate that. And like your gut microbiome is totally different from mine. You know, even if you had an identical twin, it would be totally different. And that's where learning how to optimize that gut microbiome because the health of the gut microbiome like i said our immune system majority lives there serotonin receptors live in there the health of the gut microbiome not people think about digestion but it's so much more than that you know this is affecting uh you know insulin resistance our brain health our metabolic rate um and so those lifestyle pillars like the food that's on our fork that goes into our mouth either can optimize the gut microbiome or it can harm the gut microbiome. You know, when you take antibiotics, that wipes out a lot of the gut microbiome. So that's where we are really cautious about not just handing out antibiotics like candy, right? Because you're really not only creating resistance, but you're really wreaking havoc on your gut microbiome. Um, How we um, move our body, there's a great study that shows just sedentary behavior to more moderate intensity will optimize your um, gut microbiome and cause an increase in the good short chain fatty acids like butyrate uh, production. How we sleep just by, you know, whether we're getting restorative sleep or not can alter our gut microbiome. Stress can alter our gut microbiome, all of these things. And there's actually been some studies, of course, um, with nature. And there is a a study um, called the Play and Grow study that looked at preschoolers. And it was a six weeks program. And basically they're uh, study um, participants played in the dirt. Like these kids were just like, hey, you're in preschool, go play in the dirt. And after six weeks, they did some um, some questionnaires to look at overall well-being. They found that these kids seemed to be happier, less angry and irritated, a little bit more focused. And then they took poop, um, poop samples, because why not? And so they took poop samples and found that the kids after playing in the dirt and being outdoors in nature actually had a higher level of fecal serotonin. That makes sense because they're playing outdoors, they're playing in the dirt, they're digging in the in the biome of the soil. The biome of the soil is, you know, they probably got some on their hands, they lick their hands. Um, yep. And it actually optimized, you know, their own gut microbiome by being so close to the ground biome. So just by being out in nature, we can help to optimize our gut microbiome as well. I'm going to ask you to predict the future or at least look into the future a little bit. 
Where do you see uh, medicine, or sorry, outdoor prescriptions as medicine going in say the next decade or so? Yeah, so we're seeing um, motion forward already in other um, countries. So in Canada, they the, recently the Canadian Medical Association, so that's like we have the American Medical Association, the Canadian Medical Association actually adopted and is you know promoting nature prescriptions. And in Canada, they have this great program where a physician can write a nature prescription for a patient and that patient can go to, I think there was like 50 or 60 national parks and get free access, right? So take away that barrier of like, oh, it's too expensive to get an annual pass. The nature prescription gives them access. Um, over in the UK with social prescribing, they've got a big movement. They have a program called Dose of Nature that does these same things that um, GPs are writing prescriptions and this will provide uh, actually nature therapists that work with them one-on-one um, -on -one for, I think that's a 10-week program. Um, over in Scotland, in Edinburgh, they did a, a nature prescription trial. So we're seeing good um, evidence behind it. Um, I um, am working with some people um, about getting nature prescriptions more and more. I'm working with a woman, Iris Rosen, who has a new app coming out called Nature Time. And within her Nature Time app, she does a lot of education about uh, the benefits of nature. And within that, there will be a nature prescription. Um, Jared Hanley, um, who is from NatureQuant and NatureDose, is doing quite a bit of great work in that realm as well, and actually doing a lot of research and mapping out, you know, green spaces. And he's got a cool app that you just have it on your phone, and it's kind of like a Garmin. Instead of tracking your steps, it um, tracks your amount of time and green yep. It's, it seems to be really becoming mainstream, which was kind of neat because it hasn't been, we haven't been talking about it that long. No, and I, um, as part of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, we have a yearly annual conference, it's a big conference. And so we had been virtual for a couple of years and this year in November of 2022, we were live down in Orlando and um, we had 2000 attendees, the captain at 2000, more would have come, but we also went virtual. And my abstract that I submitted was the, well, the title of my talk was, Moving mountains, the benefit of movement in nature to reach the peak of well-being. So, um, and my abstract was um, accepted and I was one of the main um, speakers there. But I got really great feedback and people like, it's so funny because they're like, that was such a different talk. That was just wonderful. I didn't know that stuff about nature. So even as physicians, you know, we're trained in a lot of things and other things we're, we're, we're not. And so just the awareness and I think in lifestyle medicine, what I really love is that um, all of the lifestyle medicine providers that I know, they really do their best to practice what they preach. So if they're telling people to eat a healthful diet, they're doing it too. If they're telling people you need to move your body, they do it too. So I think that if we can get more and more physicians to realize the benefit of being outdoors, they're going to be more, more apt to prescribe that to their patients. As a doctor. Mm -hmm. What would you prescribe to somebody? Well, I think it's always important to meet patients where they're at, right? right. So, and when, if we're going to be just, you know, because I could go into all, you know, seven pillars with you, but I'll just focus right. on sort yep. of movement in nature. Um, so I would say, well, you know, is there anything you like to do outdoors? Like, yep. do you like to fish? Do you like to bird watch? Do you have a garden? Do you, you know, do you like to go hiking? Um, do you ski? So really, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So really, <laughs> you know, saying... I think it, you know, I see so um, 
a lot of people just don't even consider going outdoors. They maybe work remote. They're like, well, I'm in front of my computer all day long, you know, and I'm like, well, could you just go outdoors and take a little walk in between meetings or in between clients? And they're like, well, I guess so. But does that even matter? I'm like, it matters hugely. So I think, first of all, like meeting patients where they're at, like, what does your life look like right now? Like, you know, what time do you get up? What's your routine? What's your work routine? What's your after work your you know family life um, when I have um, patients that have families I said this is going to benefit your you guys as a family could you you know check out local parks metro parks um, you know maybe plan a trip to go to a state park and make that a family activity that's really fun right and it's exploration and I think a wonderful thing about nature and curiosity and wonder yeah. awe right? I think a lot of people just don't even like, I try to see, I run most mornings. And so I almost always try to catch the, the sunrise. It's gorgeous. And where I work, um, these coast, the sun sets pretty early now this year, but I make it a point. I was on a meeting yesterday and I was like, hold on, stop, stop the meeting. I need to look up my sunset. And I took a picture, right? So, so the appreciation that I think that some yeah. people just don't even, they're not even aware of that. So to be curious and appreciate the gifts of nature that are simple, but absolutely transformative and being outdoors and maybe, you know, saying, hey, why don't you look for like mushrooms and fungi and like all of a sudden, like your your whole being or, you know, start looking for birds or so I think it's just making it um, enjoyable because I think so many behaviors, healthy behaviors, we perceive as like not being enjoyable and boring and you know, like, why would I want to do that? So I, I try to find out more about my patient's individual interests and what their lifestyle looks like, and then cultivate joy. I think it's really important because for me, going outdoors brings me joy, brings me grounding, brings me awe, brings me, you know, like the other day I was running and I was running a certain direction and I turned a corner and all of a sudden the sun was rising. And I literally had to stop and just look and be like, oh my gosh, like that sky, it's like a, a colorful palette. So I think just becoming in tune and, you know, we, there's this, um, you know, term biophilia that uh, E.O. Wilson is known for. And that's the innate connection of all living things. So we all are made of carbon, right? Whether we're a tree or we're a flower or grass or, you know, an animal. And so fundamentally, we're meant to connect. And technology and conveniences have really forced that connection away. And I think it's really so powerful to come back to those simple connections. Yeah, and you mentioned awe. And it's funny, because when I talked to Dr. Lem, we <laughs> talked about awe, because there's been some studies into awe, right? Yeah. Um, and the effect of awe. And I think that's the one thing that most people kind of, I don't I don't know how they, they don't, they don't recognize it yeah. um, as much as we used to, or yeah. when we were, when we didn't have as much social media and we didn't have as many distractions, right. like you said, like you said, the sunrise every morning and a thousand other things when you're outside that, yeah. wow, that's really cool. <laughs> like yeah. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Like you said, we've yeah. got so many distractions, particularly the, the, our phones, right? That yeah. before, you know, if people were out taking a walk in nature, they didn't have anything to distract them or if they were having a campfire or sitting around with friends. Um, Jeffrey Davis has a wonderful book called Wonder, right? He does a lot of research into that. 
And I think it's, we need to get back to that. Just very, you know, just to be, because that's what makes life fun is being curious about things, right? And wanting to learn and um, experience what life has to offer. Yeah, and learning is what this is all about. I'm going to thank you for your time. That was amazing. Very very informative. (laughs) And uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. That's it for this episode. Thanks to producer Sarah Simpson and social media director Alina Simpson for their help this week. Our theme music and sound logo are by John Sanfilippo from Titan Sound. Make sure to tell a friend about the podcast and send them over to the podcast page at northernlatitudes.ca. I'm Bill Alt. Find your way to Northern Latitude.